I'll send Nora around to my left, he'll send Sid around to the right, and then we'll get Peggy to go in the middle or something, and then he can take over from me and then push them that way, or then I'll call one to come round or something, and we can drive them all together. We work as a family, we work as a group, and we all have the same goal to get those sheep up, so we work together, and it, it, it's beautiful, really, and that's why I think of them as my family. I'm Phil Hatterman, and this is Dog Words, presented by Rosie Fund. Today, Chloe Shorten joins us from the UK to share the story of Peggy, the deaf senior border collie rescue. If you're new to Dog Words, in each episode we explore the world of dog care and companionship. We save each other is the motto of Rosie Fund, which simply means the more we do for dogs, the more they do for us, and they already do a lot. If you love dogs, you'll love Dog Words. We welcome your comments, questions, and suggestions. Go to the podcast page at rosiefund.org to share your thoughts. Please download, follow, rate, and most importantly, share dog words. Celebrate five years of Rosie Fund by supporting our campaign to sponsor 50 dogs. You can donate on our website or Facebook page. You can also contribute by making a purchase from the store on our website, buying a t-shirt at bonfire.com, or buying our note cards and shirts on barkyours.com. Links are in the description. Your donations and purchases help fund the Rosie Life Starter Kits that make sure these senior and harder-to-adopt dogs have some of the items they'll need in their forever home. Please follow Rosie Fund on social media. Subscribe to the free Rosie Fund YouTube channel that offers great videos of Rosie, Peaches, and Shelter Dogs, including some exclusive content like the Sweet Casey Pet Project Dog featured in our latest post. Next time on Dog Words, author Kelly Conaboy discusses her delightful and engaging book, The Particulars of Peter, Dance Lessons, DNA Tests, and Other Excuses to Hang Out with My Perfect Dog. The mission of Rosie Fund is to provide humans with the resources and education they need to give senior and harder-to-adopt dogs a better life. We thank you for joining our mission. Today's guest on Dog Words is Chloe Shorten, who is the Animal Welfare Manager at the RSPCA Mid-Norfolk and North Suffolk Branch in England. Welcome to the show, Chloe. Hello. Hiya. I don't know much about how the RSPCA system works in uh, your country because in the United States we have different animal welfare groups around the country. Some are privatized. Some are run by local municipalities. Really, what is the structure of RSPCA and you working at a specific branch? Okay, so in the UK, we have a variety of different rescues. Quite a lot of the time, they tend to be charities. So they're charity organisations. They're not for profit. Everything they make goes back into helping the animals. You do get some, like some of the dog wardens and things like that, that can be a bit more of a business because they all bid for contracts. But most of them are either sort of national ones. So they go around the entire of uh, the UK, for example, like Cats Protection, us at the RSPCA, Dogs Trust and things like that. Or you can get little sort of local ones where someone's decided to set up like a little charity. We get some little local ones that we work with that basically they uh, have the goodness out of their heart to set up and try and save as many animals as possible. Sometimes they're species specific, so they will do just cats. Sometimes they're like us, that basically anything that turns up, we will take anything because the RSPCA stands for the Royal Society of the Prevention of Cruelty to Animals. We tend to get the worst of the worst because our inspectors go into houses where people have been hoarding situations, they've been cruel to the animals. 
but we do get stray, the sick, the abandoned. Just now before the coming online, I just had an inspector bring me two ducks that had been dumped in one of our local watercourses. So I've now got to sort them out. Basically, the RSPCA is a charity that works all around the country. We all have our own little branch areas. So there'll be a branch that covers a certain area. We have counties. I'm not sure if you in we America. Have, we what, have what, counties. What, yeah. Yeah. So my area, our county split up into three different branches, basically. And then we have our postcode areas. We have a certain amount of them that we have to cover and we take animals in from them. But we can rehome them to everywhere around the country. The RSPCA have a selection of inspectors that cover the whole country and everything, you name it, sort of swan rescues. They can deal with wildlife or your domestics, your reptiles. Some of the RSPCA branches can't always take every single animal because it depends on who they've got as staff. I'm a bit nutty and will take on anything, whether it's snakes, geckos. We helped some donkeys. We've helped loads of things, tarantulas, rabbits, rats, dogs, cats, you name it. We'll take it in and fix it and try and rehome it, basically. We're not a sanctuary, so we don't keep animals forever. We always try and rehome them. Unlike some of the, we do get sanctuaries around different ones that will take an animal in and if they can't get rid of home, they'll stay for life. Ours stay with us until they can find a new home. If not, we move them into different places to sort of almost a bit like shop front. So you, you move them around to a different branch because someone might like that dog in a different area, basically. We have Royal Ascent. So back quite soon after we were created in the 1800s, actually like the queen put her patrons to us so that's why we're the royal society rather than i understand in america you have the society of prevention of cruelty to mm-hmm. animals as well yes it's very similar but we have slightly different rules and governance and things like that over here really so i'm not an inspector i'm an animal welfare manager so i run the animals coming into our branch in the mid norfolk and north suffolk area i do sometimes go on some of the rescues and help the inspectors with some of the minor complaints but i'm not an actual inspector i'm just nutty about animals and wanting to get muck in to try and help but I also deal with everything else we'll be doing veterinary runs and all the sort of fun things like that and even down to the boring bits of all the invoices and sorting out the payments for all the animals and all the expensive treatments they need so yes that's kind of in a nutshell hopefully covered enough (laughs) there are a lot of similarities with the way some of the rescue groups and shelters are run in the United States. So I think most of our listeners can identify with what you've just described. You came to our attention, not because I just did a Google search for RSPCA and randomly found you and wanted to learn more about the RSPCA. I read an article, which I will link in the description, about a border collie named Peggy. How did Peggy come to your RSPCA branch? So basically, Christmas 2018, it's always a busy time running up to Christmas because unfortunately some people decide to rehome their animals or rehouse them because they've decided to destroy the Christmas decks and it's disappointed the family. You you know, all those typical excuses that people tend to come up with. It's a cold month in, um, especially where we are in England. It can be wet, miserable, horrible. We might find animals that have been strained or abandoned and things like that. So Peggy came to us. She was brought in by the inspectors. She'd gone deaf in her previous home and they could no longer look after her. She came into the branch. I'm a bit of a sucker for a border collie. I'm not going to lie. I've got two other ones and I've always loved them since I was little. And yeah, she turned up. I was like, I don't have any kennel space, which 
we have set amount of spaces we can have for kennels, catteries and things. And then we do have a lot of fosters who take animals in to look after them. And again, I tend to take a lot home, hence why you might hear my parrot calling. There's ducks here, there's mice, there's cats, you know, you name it. I'll take it home to look after it. And um, I was like, oh, what's one more? I'll take the dog home. You know, she'll come home with me. And we had her that night. And then basically she just did so well and got on with all the other menagerie that's here that we were like, oh, it's Christmas. We should have her for Christmas. We'll get a good ground in. We'll see what she's like. And then um, soon after Christmas sort of come and went and then it was New Year's and things. And I was going back to work again after having a bit of a break and I can't let her go. We've fallen in love with her. So um, we ended up obviously getting her all sorted, making sure she had her health checks and everything and her vaccination. She was neutered and everything. And they investigated her ears and the vets couldn't find anything physically wrong. Um, they said we could go in for MRI scans and all these different scans, but there was nothing physically they could see down the ear and it would probably come for the same conclusion that she was deaf. I have been stressed her out and cost the branch a lot of money. So we decided, you know, that's it. We don't mind. She's all right sort of thing. And then, um, so we then adopted her basically because we bonded with her and got on really well. And yeah, there was no looking back. We decided she was going to stay in the family one way or the other. Our listeners know that Dog Words is presented by the charitable foundation that my wife and I started, Rosie Fund, which helps senior and harder to adopt dogs find their forever homes. Peggy would certainly fall into that category, nine-year-old border collie and harder to adopt. Being deaf, that's something that not every adopter is prepared to deal with. Not knowing, well, how do I communicate with my dog? How do I play with my dog? What special needs might my dog have? Being deaf, they look for something that's a little easier fit. So deaf dogs tend to stay in the shelter longer. So here's a dog with actually three strikes against her. One, senior. Two, has this challenge of being deaf. And three, Border Collie is not a breed that everyone can handle. They need something to do. And if you don't have something for them to do, there can be very destructive outlets for that drive, that energy, that focus, that intelligence, all of which are positive attributes. But if they're not given an appropriate outlet, they'll destroy your home. They will herd things that you don't want to be herded. So you working with the RSPCA and admitting to being a sucker for border collies, you knew what you were getting yourself into. You you had to find something for Peggy to do. How did you give her an outlet? How did you make her comfortable? So to start off with, it was very much just being able to tell her that she was a good girl. So we started off with a lot of positive reinforcement. So praising her, just being very sort of, you know, quite open body language and being quite relaxed with her and giving her a treat and fussing her up. And um, we soon sort of paired that with a thumbs up to the point that you could put your thumbs up and then she'd just drop her ears back and you could just tell it was getting through to her. And you're like, right, you know, you're a good girl now sort of thing. And it was lovely to be able to see that she'd gone from this dog that, I remember taking her to the beach for the first time. She'd never been there because we only live about 10 minutes from the beach. And she's just standing there sort of all, all, all stiff and like, oh, what is this? And then now you take her down there and she just tears around like a complete and utter nutter, basically. So my family quite like going down the beach a lot at Christmas and things, like I guess, because it's quite close to us. And normally it's quite quiet as well. So, you know, you're taking her down there and just seeing day by day the sort of enthusiasm that she could go and just tear around and do whatever she wanted, really. Yeah, it's beautiful for her, really. And yeah, she's... it's heartwarming to see any dog happy but particularly some sort of working dog like a border collie australian shepherd the healers 
when they're in their element running around and think they're doing something important, which she's running around the beach and I'm sure in her head, I'm corralling these waves. I'm doing something I love to do, but that needs to be done. You can just see their eyes light up, their ears, their tail, their whole body language lets you know I'm a happy dog. And so that had to be wonderful for you to see her come out of her shell like that. Oh, definitely. And she loves, although she can't hear her own voice, she loves to just bark and you just see how happy she is springing around. Tail goes up. I call it a scorpion tail because they, it curls up and you just know she's up to some sort of mischief and she's, you know, it's a border collie trait. I'm sure other border collie people will tell. They tend to put their tail up and they're, you know, they're up to something. It's what the border collie had as a child. She'd always put a towel up and you knew she was going to go nick a pair of socks or something and uh, <laughs> be naughty and run around the house and things. So, yeah, no, she, she definitely enjoys life now. And it was lovely to see that first steps in the first few days even of just, you know, whoa, what is this? Am I staying here? What's going on? Sort of thing. So, yes. It's interesting that you talk about how you could tell when a border collie is up to something. You really can almost see the wheels turning as they're either trying to figure something out or plotting something. A lot of breeds will just look either happy or confused or tired. It's kind of the, the range. With border collies, you can see I'm figuring yeah, something out. I've got a plan. What's going on here? And to get to see that in her has to be very exciting. Oh, yes. Yeah. She can be quite cheeky as well. If she knows she doesn't want to do something, she won't look at me. And she knows that that's my only communication with her. And she'll look the other way and almost sort of go, you know, like I'm not doing anything naughty. No, no. I know you want me to do this. I don't want to come home yet or finish yet. And she can, yeah, she can be naughty at times. So she knows how to play me as well. So... (laughs) You aren't the first guest we've had on with a deaf dog. We had Greta, a deaf dog. Well, we didn't have Greta on. We had Jody Vogler, her uh, owner, on to talk about starting out with a deaf puppy. They were prepared when they adopted Greta, and I'll link to that interview in this description. They used American Sign Language, and they had already learned basic commands, the whole family, before they adopted her. And then as they raised her, they learned more commands. So there's kind of this deaf dog playbook, if you will, of how you raise a deaf dog. Had you had any experience with deaf dogs before, or were there signs that you knew these are the sort of the universal ones that they use in the UK? Because I'm guessing American Sign Language would not be the sign language that you would use. (laughs) Yeah, it's not the go-to. To be honest, we don't actually use a actual format of British Sign Language it's more my own devices if I call it like when you're trying to give your friend directions from across a field so it's normally more waving your hands to get her attention and it's not an actual format of sign language it's just using your body and hand language and things that are very distinctive so she doesn't get confused so yeah it's not British Sign Language it's just my own movements that I've created (laughs) but if it works for Peggy that's all you need so you've said she gets that uh, energy outlet getting to go to the beach and that she's really adapted to your household and you've adapted to her. But what really got me excited when I read the article about Peggy is she's getting to answer the call that is in her DNA. She's herding sheep. Had she ever been a actual herding dog before? Yes, so she had been previously, and that's why they'd also given her up, was because they couldn't work her anymore because she'd gone deaf. And then that's how 
we also knew we knew how to sort of understand her as well because we've got other border collies that work sheep. Um, and I know around the world, a big signal for border collies is whistle. And yes, so I'm, yeah. I don't know exactly how they uh-huh. interacted with their border collies, but if it was the whistle system, being deaf really sort of undercuts being able to use that at all. Yeah, so we use whistles, depending on the dog, you can train him to whistle or verbal or both. Our old boy, Sid, he's 14 now. He can listen to whistles and also voice commands. The whistle just allows them at a greater distance to hear more clearly than you shouting. Because obviously when we shout Mm -hmm. to try and voice at a further distance, it can muffle it and not make it sound as sharp. So the whistle just helps to replace and travel further. But obviously we tried that with Peggy and she can pick it up. And likewise, they either whistle or commands uh, or verbal commands didn't work with her because they think there's something genetic or something had gone wrong with the neurons to the brain so that she just couldn't hear anything. We did test it multiple times with food and things behind her, rustling packets and where anything would get any other animal going. And um, she just didn't know. And then you'd sort of touch and she'd jump and go, oh, oh okay, you're mm-hmm. there, right, okay. A big thing about it, we'd never wanted to startle her. That was just when we were sort of testing to see if she was deaf. But mm-hmm. you just try not to startle her because it's not very nice to sort of come up and suddenly jab a dog that's deaf. You need to be spatially aware of just watching out for her and things because she can't obviously pick up that you're walking towards her and things. I wouldn't be surprised if, Chloe, you had a herd of sheep <laughs> just because you have everything else. <laughs> But where, Funny enough, that's the one thing we don't have. <laughs> so where does she get to uh, do her herding? My husband is a contractor, basically. So mainly contract shepherd. He does do some other work, some tractor work and things like that. But during, especially now, like for example, today, he is out um, sheep shearing. And in my spare time, I'm out sheep shearing as well. And then in the winter, he does sort of contract shepherding. So he'll be moving sort of sheep in big fields and things around so that's where we use our dogs and use them to get the sheep in for shearing or movements and moving them around to different fields and things. So that's where we sort of first knew with Peggy that she wanted to herd again because we were actually shearing at somebody's house, their little flock once. Because in England, we do have quite a lot of people that have pet sheep and they might have one or two um, or they might have 30, which is also considered quite a small flock. But we do have people that have several thousand as well. Norfolk isn't perhaps renowned for being a sheep county. We're looking more like Yorkshire Dales and things would have the sheep, but we do have sheep in Norfolk. And um, she decided on this one particular day, she went round and brought this flock of about 30 sheep back to us. And we were like, right, okay, we better sort something out because if she keeps doing that, she might do it at the wrong time. Mm -hmm. A, hurt herself, the sheep. Which goes uh, back to what we were discussing earlier that, they figure things out. I see something needs to be done. I'll take care of it. If exactly. you don't tell her what to do, she'll find something to do. Exactly. And we would have just kept having sheep brought to us all the time. and <laughs> would have been, wouldn't be able to move because of sheep. So we decided we were like, right, we need to sort out some communication here that sort of went on further than the sit, stay, you know, good girl sort of thing. We were like, right, we need to start branching out and do some practice with this and see what we could do, really. And that's where it all kind of went from there, really. You said you already had a couple other border collies. Do they work with Peggy? Do they accept her as a herding dog? With these guys, because they live in with us, we've all bonded and they'll do anything. And me and Jason can be herding and we can switch dogs, which ones we're herding, just at the drop of the hat. So we were doing something the other day and I'll send Nora around to my left. He'll send Sid around to the right and then we'll get Peggy to go in the middle or something. And then he can take over from me and then push them that way or then I'll call one to come round or something and we can drive them all together 
we work as a family we work as a group and we all have the same goal to get those sheep up so we work together and it, it, it's beautiful really and that's why I think of them as my family it's wonderful that she gets to be fulfilled as a sheepdog because nine is an age that we think of as a senior dog a dog in a shelter that's nine years old but is otherwise identical to a two or three-year-old dog is going to sit there a lot longer people aren't looking for a senior dog a nine-year-old dog but for a lot of dogs a lot of breeds certainly a border collie that's had a healthy life, nine years old is not the twilight years. She's got a <laughs> lot of energy. She's not a curl up by the fire and uh, lay on the porch all day kind of dog at nine years old. Yeah, no, like our 14-year-old that you might be able to hear snoring because he's uh, <laughs> he's had a nice walk this morning. He still tries to hurt sheep at 14 even though he had to have part of his leg removed because of a tumor and things like that and he still tries to herd even the other day he has to do a little bit because if you know border collies you can't stop them so we have to let him do a little bit Mm -hmm. just so he goes i did all that i i got the sheep in i was the hero today so like with peggy she's still although she's semi-retired we don't let her go out as much just to obviously keep her healthy and things keep the bones well and things but she she goes out and she just absolutely loves it she'll tear around those sheep and bring them back in really good style you can't stop them I think if you were to stop them and just don't let them do anything that's when they get really depressed and they just hate it and like you say they then start even at 14 they'll start picking up behavior problems if you stop them so yeah it's better to ease them slowly and just maintain them and manage them really and we had uh last August Karen Miller with a local Border Collie Rescue Group, Mocan Border Collies, on to talk about her dogs. And then I was fortunate enough to get to shoot some video of her working the dogs. And she has an older dog and a younger dog. And the younger dog would demonstrate taking the small herd out to the other end of the pasture and then circle and bring them back. And the older dog would just watch so intently. And then when she got them back to the corral and was doing some more close work, he would like get in the gate. Like, I, I got this. I'll yep. cover this. I want to help. I'll keep him in or I'll keep him out. What do you want me to do? Yeah. Yeah. He's yeah, really it. not in a position to do the whole big show, but he so much yeah. wanted to be involved. Oh, yeah. And he, that, you know, Sid's definitely the foreman. He tells the others, he's like, right, I've done this. I've got it covered, guys. And <laughs> Nora's had to step up and do a bit more work now. So, um, but yeah, no, he's definitely boss man still. I will link to that interview also in the description and also to the videos of the Border Collies at work. So what is next for Peggy? Have you committed to, like, she's your dog and she's just going to be a contract herding dog with your husband yeah basically they all live inside which i know not all working border collies do but my ones are pampered they get the best they sleep on the sofa if they want they have memory foam mattresses everything they need anyone that knows me they are literally my children and like all my other animals so basically yeah she will be with me forever and we'll have whatever she needs and we'll have whatever mental simulation she wants as well basically as well all my animals, they just all get on as well. I've also got a deaf cat as well, just to add to the randomness. Um, I got them actually at a very similar time because no one wanted her because she'd lost a kidney, had a hernia, was deaf and had teeth problems. So again, I took her in as well. So I'm getting quite a collection of things that nobody else wants. And <laughs> yeah, just from my house to live in for the rest of their lives and whatever they need. 
so grateful that there are people like you who have a big heart and are giving those animals a home who are challenged in finding the right fit. But I guess a couple takeaways for our listeners are, one, the people who gave up Peggy is probably the hardest thing they ever had to do, but she just wasn't a fit. They could have decided, we'll just neglect her and feed her and just, oh, now she's getting in the way. Well, now we'll just keep her kenneled up all the time and just let her out to exercise once in a while, which would have been an awful life for Peggy. So recognizing there might be something better for Peggy, I'm not going to judge them. There might have been a better way to find a home rather than turning her over to RSPCA and then getting lucky that it was the one that you worked at. That was fortunate for Peggy, but at least they made an effort. Yes, exactly. There's plenty of people that will just dump them in places. Like, for example, these two ducks that I've just had brought to me, they've been dumped to fend for themselves. They can't fly. They've been put into a water system, you know, into a river that basically anything could get them. So, yeah, I do agree. At least they've approached a sensible place to bring her to. So, yeah, if you have an animal as a pet, if you've domesticated an animal or, or gotten a domestic animal like a dog, you have a responsibility for their well-being. That's it's like a social contract. Do whatever you can to make it a fit. But if it doesn't, then find a fit for that animal. Give them the best opportunity to live their best life. And then the other thing is, Peggy was not going to be a full-time herding dog being deaf. That just wasn't going to work there. Yet you found a way to give her an outlet, fulfillment, which isn't hurting all the time. It's exercise. It's going to the beach and chasing waves instead of sheep. Find a way to give your dog what they need. And for some dogs or other pets, it might not be the traditional take them on long walks. It might be a dog that just needs to play with a ball in the yard or have a toy in the house that's their, their favorite toy, that it might be a dog that is more sedentary. But figure out your dog's needs, and give them their best life. We have that responsibility. Exactly. And also, I'd say research your breeds, research what you're going to potentially get. You can't say that they will all the breeds will be the same, but like we say, Border Collies, they have high energy. Sometimes they just want to be with you. I'm very lucky that my dogs can come over with me or my husband, or they go to my mum's. They don't have to be left at times. It's, it's just working around your situation. See what your situation suits do you need to get a dog or is a cat going to suit you better or a hamster or something? But also don't get a hamster and just put it in a small cage. You want to give it the best and most enriching life possible because, you know, we want to be stuck in a one bedroom flat for our lives, you know, research what you're going to get and see what suits you. And also don't overlook animals just because they've got disabilities. They are amazing. Like I said, my deaf cat, She's got all those problems, but she's the most loving little creature ever. And we might not have many years with her, but we will cherish what years we do have with her and keep her happy. And she makes us happy. So it's a two way street as well. So, yeah, research and don't overlook some of the the poorly ones, because actually sometimes they're the best characters and the cheeky, you know, the ones that make you laugh because but still somehow know when you're going for a shower and likes to follow you in just to steam herself because mm-hmm. <laughs> he likes the smell of steaming herself in the shower and things. So They're a living, breathing creature with thoughts and ideas and emotional needs. It's a relationship, not a YouTube channel. So yeah, you talked about getting a hamster. It's not something that I'm just going to tune in when I come home from work to see what this 
hamster is doing in its cage, it's in its cage 24 hours a day. It needs some sort of stimulus. It might need a buddy. It might need someone to check in on it. You need to play with it, not just have it there for your needs. It has needs as well. Chloe, thank you again so much for what you are doing for the animals in uh, your region and for taking time to tell the story of Peggy, the dog that was not a fit for one family, but has found a wonderful home with you and your husband and your menagerie of ducks and birds and cats and everything. And uh, I wouldn't be surprised if we check in with you and you also have sheep at some point. Yeah, that's that's the dream. I think. <laughs> but yes, thank you. And thank you for all the people that do adopt from us and actually care for their animals like I do, like babies and think, you know, just we all work together and hopefully we can make the world a bit more animal friendly. That's the goal. And thanks to people like you, we're getting closer to reaching it. Thank you again, Chloe. That's all right. No worries. Thank you. and you've been listening to Dog Words, presented by Rosie Fund. Thank you to Chloe Shorten with RSPCA Mid-Norfolk and North Suffolk Branch for joining us today. Links to their website and all of their social media are in the description. There are also links to the Dog Words episodes we referenced in today's interview. If you find an old episode you like, be sure to share it with your friends. Next time on Dog Words, author Kelly Conaboy discusses her delightful and engaging book, The Particulars of Peter, dance lessons, DNA tests, and other excuses to hang out with my perfect dog. A big thank you to alternative string duo The Wires featuring cellist Sasha Groshong and violinist Laurel Morgan Parks for playing the wonderful music you've heard on today's and previous episodes of Dog Words. Supporting The Wires supports our mission. When choosing the music for each episode of Dog Words, I try to find something from The Wires that fits with the tone of that episode. By no means have I played every song from their catalog. There's much more from The Wires than what you hear on this podcast. Learn more about The Wires at thewires.info and download their music on iTunes. Check out fiddlelife.com and learn to play fiddle and cello fiddle online from Laurel and Sasha, even if you've never played before. Celebrate five years of Rosie Fund by supporting our campaign to sponsor 50 dogs. You can donate on our website or Facebook page. You can also contribute by making a purchase from the website store, buying a t-shirt at bonfire.com, or putting some of our merch in your cart when you shop at Bark Yours. Links are in the description. Your donations help fund the Rosie Life Starter Kits that make sure these senior and harder-to-adopt dogs have some of the items they'll need in their forever home. As always, please download, follow, rate, and share dog words. This helps us with sponsorships, then Rosie Fund can help more dogs. Support Rosie Fund by following us on social media, and please subscribe to the free Rosie Fund YouTube channel. Our latest post features a sweet KC Pet Project dog looking for a forever home. Send us your comments, questions, and suggestions at rosiefund.org, and let us know if you would like to be a sponsor or a guest of the Dog Words podcast. Thank you for listening, and remember, we save each other.